so much and uh, let's all stand if you're able we're so glad you could be here on this Easter Sunday morning boy resurrection Sunday what a wonderful wonderful day it is for the believer it is the most important day on the calendar and you say what about Christmas I mean the death of Christ and yeah that's important but let me tell you something without the resurrection there'd be no life there'd be nothing for us Jesus didn't raise from the dead what good would it be to gather today and so thankfully, and praise God, he did. So anyway, let's go ahead and have a word of prayer, and we'll continue with our service. Again, so glad that you could be a part of it with us today. Father, again, we thank you for this privilege that we have to gather in your house. We thank you, Father, for the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Lord, thank you, Father, that he, Father, died on the cross, but then he rose again the third day. Lord, we're so grateful and so thankful that we can gather now and Father, just pay tribute to him and then exalt and magnify and glorify the Lord Jesus Christ today. Now, Father, bless the music and be with the message. And, Lord, be with our fellowship one with another. May everything be done to your glory and honor. You're so worthy of our praise. And thank you for each and every one of these that have gathered today to show their love and respect to you. We need you now. We love you. In Christ's name, amen. Hymn number 31, number 31 in your hymnals, powerful song, He Lives. I serve a risen Savior, He's in the world today. I know that He is living, whatever men may say, I see His hand of Time I need him. He 
today, and uh, we are looking forward to this Easter morning service. I do just want to uh, point out a couple things. Those of you that are registered for the marriage retreat coming up here in uh, just a week now, um, that is uh, that final registration is due this morning. If you wouldn't mind seeing me out in the main lobby right after the service this morning, and I'll be out there to answer any questions you may have. Also, again, want to remind folks that we've got our vacation Bible school, and it's just a few days away, and, uh, and I know that uh, it's in June, um, but that'll happen quickly. That'll come quickly. And, uh, and so mark that down. You'll see in your bulletin we've got a vacation Bible school and a teen spectacular. So we've got a week of uh, activities for the young people uh, up to sixth grade and then also the junior and senior high high schoolers as well, seventh through twelfth grade, each night the 11th through the 14th. I want to invite everyone to come back for that as well. We do have a special promotion coming up here, and uh, we're excited about that, where we're going to reach out uh, with emphasis into our community with the gospel. We've got a big track blitz coming up, but Brother Brad's going to come up, and uh, he's going to uh, give a little bit more detail regarding that uh, special promotion. All right, we are excited about our Bring Them In campaign, and so what we're looking forward to doing is seeing souls saved, seeing people get baptized, seeing bringing them into the house of God, getting them plugged in. And so what are some things that you can do to help get involved in this? So a couple of things. Obviously, you can come out with us. You can help us knock on doors. Tuesday evening, Thursday evening at 630, we'll meet right here at church. We'll have a word of prayer. We'll get partnered up. We'll have routes available. We'll go out and we'll knock on doors. There'll be a nursery available so you can bring your kids, leave them in the nursery. Um, Maybe you say, well, I can't walk and I can't do all that walking, but maybe you can work in our nursery. Uh, that would be a, a big blessing. That way we can take the folks out of the nursery that can walk and knock on doors and use those. So maybe you're available that you can help in our nurseries on Tuesday, uh, Thursday evening. Um, we'll also be going out on Saturdays, our normal time, 930. And so if you can help with that, you can see Miss Angie Green, and she'll give you all the details on that. Um, but maybe you uh, can't do that, but you can be praying for us. We would ask that you be praying uh, that the Lord would give us the words to say as we're out. We'd be filled with the Holy Spirit. God would be moving. God would be working. And so Tuesday evenings at 6.30, Thursday evenings at 6.30, 30, 
Saturday mornings at 930. If you'd be praying for the ones that are able to go out and uh, that God would just bless our efforts. Uh, something else we want to accomplish, accomplish is mobilizing the church, coming together. Think about what we can do as a church for the cause of Christ for these three weeks. Three weeks we're going to be emphasizing this. We'll kick it off next Sunday. Uh, we'll get it kicked off. And so April the 10th will be our first Tuesday night going out. And so be praying about being a part of this. That track blitz on the 14th, hey, we could use everybody. We want to get 10,000 uh, door hangers out that day to the, the surrounding communities. And uh, we want to see God do something great. We just came off of a great week of revival, and we praise the Lord for what he did. But let's not let it stop there. And let's come together and let's be obedient and do the command that God has given us. And so I hope you'll be a part of that as that comes up in just a couple of weeks. Hey, when you got good news, you want to share it, right? And we've got the good news, and so we want to make sure our community knows and they hear about how they can be sure of their home in heaven. If you're visiting with us for the first time today, we are sure honored you chose to be a part of our services this morning. And uh, we trust you've been able to find things throughout the building as you needed them. Uh, but if you have any questions, feel free just to grab folks out at the Welcome Center. Anyone with the Usher tag, they'll be glad to point you in the right direction or answer any questions you may have. But again, thank you for visiting with us this morning. And uh, we're excited about this day. It's a, it's a great day to be in the Lord's house as we celebrate the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And uh, we do trust that you'll be blessed this morning through the preaching and through the special music.
our turn to sing hymn number 36. Number 36 in your hymnals, Christ Arose.
pray for our offering today. And again, we're thankful to the Lord for just the faithfulness of God's people. And again, if you're visiting with us for the first time today, we in no way expect you to give to our offering. You're our guest today. We're just so thrilled to have you with us. And uh, so at this time, brother, won't you come and pray for us? And uh, we're certainly grateful again for what God's doing. Boy, I tell you what, you're doing a good job. We, this is the first, this is the debut for our orchestra, okay? And so they're trying to figure it out a little bit because we moved them. They practiced over there, and now they're playing way over there. Yeah, you can blame the music guy, not me. I told him, guys, don't do it. No, I didn't really. But anyway, so, but they're doing such a fabulous job. Boy, didn't the choir do a great job? My, oh, my. I tell you what, I sat there just enjoying that. I tell you, I almost, almost ran a lap. That was so good. All right. Well, brother, you come pray for us, would you? Well, let's pray. Lord, we thank you for this day that you've given us. Lord, thank you so much for, for what this day means, what it represents, Lord. Just a remembrance of, of what you did for us, Lord. It's just uh, so good to be able to be here and worship you, Lord. I pray that you just bless this offering now that we're about to take. I pray that you bless the gift and the giver this morning, Lord. We ask all this in your name. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated.
We're going to deviate from the schedule just a little bit and go right to our course. So, uh, not the course. We're going to go right to our special. So, brother, you you can be seated. We're going to skip the course today. All right, brother. And so we're going to get things moving along here. Again, we are so glad that you could be a part of the service. If there's anything that we can do for you or any questions we can answer, you let us know. We'll do our best to accommodate that.
Well, that's a good one. What a great message that has. Amen? That's good stuff. Matthew chapter 28. Boy, I'll tell you what, I have enjoyed the music today. And uh, I just, uh, boy, I'll tell you, that choir and boy, the orchestra and just even the congregational singing. My, I'll tell you, we just enjoying it today, having a good time. Matthew chapter 28. But now we come to the part where, boy, I'll tell you what, this is, uh, the Lord's is certainly glorified through the music, no doubt. But there's something unique, there's something special about what God calls preaching. I'll tell you what, the Bible teaches that preaching cannot be, you can't get rid of that. You can't, you can't replace it with anything because it's by the foolishness of preaching that men and women and boys and girls are saved. They come to Christ, they receive the Lord, they ultimately, as we say, get saved and their salvation is secured in Christ. Their home in heaven is secured forever. Boy, I'll tell you what, the preaching of the Word of God is so important. But, oh, boy, did I enjoy that music. Wasn't that good? It prepares our hearts. It readies us for what God has for us now. And so we turn to Matthew chapter 28 and a very traditional passage this time of year. Uh, We've often utilized it. We've preached from it a number of times. We've used it as a kickoff or as a springboard to many messages, at least this time of year. But we're going to read in Matthew chapter 28, beginning in verse 1. It says, in the end of the Sabbath, as it began to dawn toward the first day of the week, came Mary Magdalene and the other Mary to see the sepulcher. And behold, there was a great earthquake, for the angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone from the door and sat upon it. His countenance was like lightning and his raiment white as snow. And for fear of him, the keepers did shake and became as dead men. You get the impression here, obviously, that they just simply passed out for fear. You ever been so scared you passed out? Of course, I've never been that scared in my life. I've never been scared in my life. Well, okay, so maybe I have. But nonetheless, in this particular case, these men here are simply so afraid, they literally pass out and become as dead men. Verse 5, And the angel answered and said unto the women, Fear not ye, for I know that ye seek Jesus, which was crucified. He's not here, for he is risen as he said. Come see the place where the Lord lay. While leading up to our passage, Christ, of course, has been humiliated. He's been abused. He's been subjected to the mock trial. How did he respond to all of that? Well, we see the answer to that question in 1 Peter chapter 2 when we read in verse 22 and 23, who did no sin, neither was guile found in his mouth, who when he was reviled, reviled not again. When he suffered, he threatened not, but committed himself to him that judgeth righteously. In the midst of that mock trial, even though he was being maligned and mistreated, the fact is, is that Jesus Christ, committed himself to God in heaven and said, listen, come what may, I'm just going to simply trust. I know what I have to do. I know what is necessary and needful in the lives of humanity. I'm going to follow through and I'm going to do exactly what I set out to do and I'm not going to fight back. I could bring on a legion of angels. I could just tear this place apart, but I'm just going to allow God to have his will and way. After being led through the streets of Jerusalem up till Golgotha, Jesus was nailed to the cross, where there he hung between heaven and earth. There he suffered, and he bled, and he died. 
for the sin of the world. He'd be placed in a borrowed tomb. And that borrowed tomb would be covered with a stone. And it would be secured by Roman soldiers. We read about it in Matthew chapter 27. If you have a moment, turn there, please. Matthew chapter 27, beginning in verse 62. A very interesting and wonderful passage, really, when you think about it. Especially when you consider the implication of it all. Matthew chapter 27, verse 62. The Bible says, Now the next day, that followed the day of the preparation, the chief priests and Pharisees came together unto Pilate, saying, Sir... We remember that that deceiver said, while he was yet alive, after three days I will rise again. Command, therefore, that the sepulcher be made sure until the third day, lest his disciples come by night and steal him away and say unto the people, He is risen from the dead. So the last error shall be worse than the first. Pilate said unto them, You have a watch. He's not talking about a wristwatch, an eye watch. You have a watch. No, that's not what he's talking about. He's talking about you're going to have a watch. You're going to have a group of, or a band of soldiers. And he says simply to them, go your way. Make it sure as you can. So they went and made the sepulcher sure, stealing the, sealing the stone and setting a watch. So these Roman soldiers now are placed there. They're there to guard the tomb. They're there to guard the entrance. It's kind of ironic to me, at least, that to think that the purpose of those soldiers being placed there in front of that tomb, and in, in front of that stone, was to keep people from rolling it away, to keep people from ultimately entering that particular grave and stealing the body of Jesus. So really the point is, is that they were placed there to keep people out. But isn't it funny, that wasn't their problem at all. It was keeping someone in. And of course, we know that didn't work. So nonetheless, we see here that these soldiers were placed there because somebody remembered what Jesus said. Somebody remembered that he said, I'm going to rise again the third day. And they said, listen, I'm telling you now, if he raises from the dead or somebody believes that he raised from the dead, I don't care if they steal his body. I don't care what happens to him. They're going to turn around and the end will be worse than the beginning. They're going to say, look, he was real. Look, he was Messiah. Look, he was Jesus. Look, he was God in flesh. And man, we'll be in a mess. So let's Let's do something about it. Pilate says, fine, you got them soldiers, you place them there, you guard that tomb and you guard that stone and you make sure nobody, nobody gets in that thing. But again, somebody came out. Up from the grave he arose. We sang it already today. With a mighty triumph for his foes, he arose a victor from the dark domain and he lives forever. With his saints to reign, he arose, he arose, hallelujah, Christ arose. And he did rise again. The greatest day, as I said already, on the Christian calendar is Easter. There's no greater event than the resurrection of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Every promise and every hope that we have in this Christian life is predicated upon the resurrection. And I want to speak to you on this topic today implications of the resurrection. Implications of the resurrection. And if you don't know what that means, that's all right. I had to look it up. But you'll figure it out just like I did along the way. 
So let's go ahead and have a word of prayer and we'll figure it out together. Ready? Father, we love you. Thank you for this time. We don't have much time, Lord. Now, again, we obviously have tons of time, but Lord, many schedules are packed today. It's Easter. Many people are planning on spending time with friends and family. And Lord, we, we can respect that. We understand that. But over these next few moments, Lord, may we not allow our minds to drift to what will be. Let us focus on what is at hand. And Lord, may you just help us in these next few moments to understand some of the implications of the resurrection, what it means to me and what it means to them and what it means to us as a whole. May you be glorified now, Lord. We're praying for your Holy Spirit to truly work in our lives and fill me with your Holy Ghost. And Lord, allow me to be your mouthpiece and stand in my shoes, Father, and help me to be exactly what you want me to be and do and say exactly what you want me to do and say. And I'll praise you as you, Father, anoint every listening ear as well. Father, if there be a soul that is without Christ in here that has never settled their eternal salvation, may they settle it before they leave even this service. We'll thank you in Christ's name. Amen. So we think about implications of the resurrection. First of all, the resurrection has past implications. It has past implications. Well, you say, what do you mean? Well, it declares his deity. As we look back on history, we note the resurrection. It declares his deity. Look, if you would, in Romans chapter 1, please. Romans chapter 1, beginning in verse 1. We're going to read four verses. Romans chapter 1. That resurrection declares the deity of the Lord Jesus Christ. If there was ever a question as to whether or not he was God in flesh, Emmanuel, as the Bible says, then it is answered. It's settled because of the resurrection. Romans chapter 1, verse 1 through 4. Paul, a servant of Jesus Christ, called to be an apostle, separated unto the gospel of God, which he had promised afore by his prophets in the Holy Scriptures, concerning his son Jesus Christ our Lord, which was made of the seed of David according to the flesh. It just means that he was of the seed of David. Again, we know that he had no earthly father. He had a heavenly father. He was supernaturally conceived by the Holy Ghost. But he did have come forth from, gain his physical body from his mother, who was of the seed of David as well. And so in the flesh, if you would, you'd say, oh, he is of the seed of David. And that's what it's talking about. It's not saying that he was a man like you and I are men, but he was born his flesh, his body, his house, his temple, if you will, was indeed of the house of David, according to the flesh, number four, and declared and declared to be the Son of God with power, according to the spirit of holiness, by the resurrection from the dead. Do you see that? Basically what it's saying real simply is this, that the resurrection declares the deity of Christ. It makes it perfectly clear that he was more than a mere mortal, that he was more than just a mere man. He was God in flesh. In 1 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16, we read, And without controversy, great is the mystery of godliness. God was manifest in the flesh, justified in the spirit, seen of angels, preached unto the Gentiles, believed on in the world, and received up into glory. But once again, God was manifest in the flesh. God became flesh. God became man. Boy, that's a hard concept to wrap our mind around, isn't it? I mean, just to somehow be able to conceive or to understand the thought, the idea that there on earth 2,000 years ago, literally the creator of all the universe walked on that which he created. 
And it is even beyond comprehension to believe or to think for a moment that that which created the universe and ultimately breathed life into man himself was placed on the very cross that man put him on. God himself. God himself. Boy, I'll tell you what, when he went into that grave, the devil thought he had a great victory, didn't he? He thought he'd won the battle. He thought he'd even won the war. But may I say, it didn't matter how many Praetorian soldiers were placed in front of that tomb. It didn't matter how big the stone was. It didn't matter what anybody thought. The fact was is that three days and three nights later, Jesus Christ rose again. It declared his deity. We read about it in Isaiah chapter 9 verse 6. He was prophesied he would come. For unto us a child is born, and unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder. His name, listen, his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. That was Jesus. That's the child that was born in a manger. And that's why probably so many missed it. The resurrection provides us with evidence of his deity. No resurrection, no deity. Anyone can die and stay in a tomb. But only God could die and raise himself from the dead. Number two, so one, we recognize the resurrection has past implication. It declares his deity. But number two, the resurrection has present, uh, present implications. It describes our deliverance. It describes our deliverance. Look, if you would, in Romans chapter 6, verse 5, please. Romans chapter 6, verse 5. The Bible says, for if we have been planted together in the likeness of his death, then shall we, then shall be also, we shall be also, excuse me, in the likeness of his resurrection. See, for if we have been planted together in the likeness of his death, we shall be also in the likeness of his resurrection. And here we note that the resurrection, we note the resurrection in relationship then to our deliverance. He's associating, he's tying that resurrection to us ultimately being resurrected. In Ephesians chapter 2, and I would like you to turn there if you could. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 1. We're going to look at verses 1 through 5. And we're going to try to kind of get a feel for how this resurrection works in our life a little bit. Why the power of the resurrection is so important in our deliverance. Notice Ephesians 2 verse 1 through 5. And you hath he quickened who were dead in trespasses and sins. Wherein in time past ye walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air. By the way, that's Satan. The spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience. Among whom also we all had our conversation in time past in the lust of the flesh. Fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind. And were by nature the children of wrath. Not not just by nature the children of wrath in the sense that we're angry. In the sense that we're furious. In the sense that we're, 
we're hurting or harming people. That's not it. It's talking about the children of wrath, meaning that the wrath of God was appointed to us and upon us. We were the children of wrath, that God was going to have to punish us because of our sin. Because we were following after. And in the flesh, we were uh, uh, by nature of the devil and sin. Someone says, that's out of this. That's ridiculous. There's good in everybody. Well, in a sense, there's good in everyone. But also, if you would read the word of God in Jeremiah chapter 17, verse 9, it says, the heart is deceitful of all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? See, when God sees you and God sees me, he doesn't look at us like we see each other. Man, today, most of you look pretty good. There's a few exceptions in the crowd. I won't name any names. No, I'm teasing. I'm teasing. Okay, take it easy now. Take it easy. But the fact is, is that we look at one another today and we go, boy, you look so, oh, I love that hat. Oh, that's a wonderful looking dress or outfit. Oh, that's, that's such a nice suit preacher and your muscles are popping through very quickly. And, 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 and we say all kinds of things that are so nice and kind. And some of the men right now are upset with me because they think I'm trying to steal their glory. But the fact is, is that, The fact is, is that we look at one another totally different than God sees us. God looks past this stuff. God looks past all of this. God sees us in here. And may I say today that the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Uh, Who can know it? I'll guarantee you one person that knows it. the, The Lord Jesus Christ. And the truth is, as he goes on here in the passage, he makes it very clear here. He says, among whom... Also, we all had our conversation in time past in the lust of the flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and the mind, and were by nature the children of wrath, even as others. But God, who is rich in mercy, for his great love with he loved us, even when we were dead in sins, there it is again, hath quickened us together with Christ. By grace ye are saved. For in the passage, the apostle speaking to believers who, as he put it, He's talking to believers. He's talking to believers. Now, you got to understand, he's not talking to every human being here. He's talking to the church here. He's talking to the church at Ephesus. And, and, and by the way, if you're a member of a church, a local church, biblically and scripturally, you must have already trusted and received Christ. There has to have been a time in your life when you said, Lord Jesus Christ, I know I'm a sinner. I know I failed to measure up to your perfect standard. And I beg your forgiveness. I ask you to wash me clean. Oh God, have mercy on this wretched soul. You may not have said it exactly like that. But there came a point, And that's who's filling the pews at this church. And he's talking to those that have already recognized their sin before a holy God. He's talking to those that have already recognized he was the only way, the truth, and the life. He's talking to those in the congregation who comprise the congregation because you have to be a born-again believer, saved by the blood of Jesus Christ, to be a member of any true biblical local church. And so Paul the Apostle, in context, is preaching to men and women who have already come to the realization that they were bound for hell without the mercy, grace, and love of the Lord Jesus Christ in their life. And he says to them simply this in verse 5, even when we, we, we were dead in sins. When, when, not now, because we're not dead in sins. We were dead in sins. Hath quickened us together with Christ. That's what Christ did for us. He quickened us. He made us alive. He made us alive. Together with Christ. He says, 
By grace are you saved. In the passage, the apostle speaking to believers who again have said, you know what? You used to be dead in trespasses and sins, but you were quickened or made alive now. And then the passage goes on by expressing the means by which this quickening takes place. He points to God's rich mercy. He talks about God's great love. And he talks about God's grace. Notice again, he's talking about God's rich mercy. He's talking about God's great love. And he's talking about God's grace. That's how you went from being dead in sins to being alive. Remember, he's talking about God's great love. Now, you, you, get the, you understand where this is going here. He's talking about God's mercy and God's grace. You say, well, what's the big deal? Well, although we deserve the wrath of God, he goes on in verse 3 to simply say, but God. Our attention is directed to God. When one is in a state of deadness spiritually, we are body, soul, and spirit. But when a man or a woman is born, we are born in the image of Adam. Adam fell in the garden. And as a result, his fellowship with God was affected. And the truth is, is that he is operating instead of on all three cylinders that God intended him to operate on. He's only operating on two. He's got the body still. He's got the soul still. But his spirit is dead. Dead, dead to Jesus Christ and dead to God in heaven. It's dead and so the communication is not there. You say, well, I, I pray to God and I don't know anything about salvation. I pray. You do. But I'm telling you, biblically and scripturally, if you want to be alive, you're going to have to recognize the fact that it's only going to be God that can do that in your life. There's nothing that you can do. You don't have any grace. You don't have any mercy. And you don't have the ability to find favor with God on your own. The truth is, is it's but God did this. But God did that. But God, but God, but God. Without God, there's no salvation. There's no heaven. There's no future. There's no hope without God. There's no human power that can quicken us or make dead the soul that is, or make dead, uh, make a dead spirit alive to God. It's supernatural power. You know what kind of power it is? Resurrection power. Resurrection. The same power that raised Jesus from the dead is the same power you need in your life to be raised from your dead sinfulness to being alive or quickened in Christ Jesus. And so do I. That's what I need. In John chapter 11, verse 25, you know the story. Jesus Christ runs down to Bethany, right? He kind of held things up a little bit. and, And we know that his friend Lazarus was very sick and ill, but he waits a while. Why in the world do you wait? Well, nonetheless, either way, we understand the, the end game here. He, he shows up in Bethany, and he's met by Martha. By this time, Lazarus is dead. By this time, Lazarus is in a tomb. By this time, Lazarus, as she puts it, not me, stinketh. That's what she said. He stinketh. What's that mean? It means his body has already started deteriorating. He's been dead for more than a day, more than two days. He's already been dead a few days and his body already stinks. The fact is, Jesus, she said to him, if only you would have been here earlier, if only you would have arrived sooner, my brother would still be alive. Your friend would still be alive. Jesus makes a statement to her. He looks her square in the eye and he says, I am the resurrection and the life. He that believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. Wow. Wow. 
Of course, Martha, yeah, I know that. I know in the end. I know in the final resurrection. I get it all. He says, you're not getting anything. Man, Jesus steps up to the plate. He walks on over there. Roll that stone away. Man, they clear out. And he simply stands there and says, Lazarus, come forth. And Lazarus in there. Well, actually, he's like this. And all of a sudden, he like. And he rolls off the thing. And he says, go get him and loose him. And they walk on in there and they start unraveling all those grave clothes. And Lazarus comes out. I mean, he's like, I was dead. I was dead, but I'm alive. I'm alive. I'm alive. I heard your voice, Jesus. I got it. I heard it. And I'm going to tell you something. Only the Lord Jesus Christ has resurrection power. And may I say, if you are dead in your sins today, the only one that can, can somehow resurrect those dead bones is the Lord Jesus Christ. It's resurrection power you need. It's resurrection power I need. The resurrection has past implications. It declares his deity. It, it, it has present implications. It describes our deliverance. And finally... That resurrection has future implications. It determines our destiny. It determines our destiny. In 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 3 through 5, let's turn there as we close this out. 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 3 through 5. When I say close this out, it means this is the last point. But it's not as long as the last point. Okay, little. Okay. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 3 through 5. We read there, it says, Blessed be God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, which according to His abundant mercy hath begotten us again unto a lively hope. Wow, look at this. Which according to His abundant mercy, there's that word mercy again, hath begotten us unto a lively hope by... The resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Isn't that good? (laughs) By the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. About now, we're starting to get the idea, aren't we? This resurrection is pretty important. I mean, it has past implications. It has present applications. It's even got future implications. He goes on to say that we've been been begotten uh, again unto a lively hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled that fadeth not away, reserved in heaven for you, who are kept by the power of God through faith unto salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. Wow, you know what that's saying, simply put? That the resurrection ensures our future is with Jesus Christ. Man, I mean, that resurrection says, guess what? You're going to be with him forever. Again, knowing how we're confronted with his abundant mercy again. You know what mercy really is? Mercy's not getting what you deserve. It's not getting what I deserve. He's extending mercy. He's not giving me what I truly deserve. Instead, he's giving us what we don't deserve, and that's grace. And that that grace extended to us is giving us a lively hope, an inheritance 
that is incorruptible and that is undefiled and that fadeth not away. That means it's not going away. Man, I know so many people that have received inheritances in this world, and when they've gotten it, it looked like, man, they had the world or the, the bull by the horns or the, the whatever by the tail and everything else. But all of a sudden, guess what happened to the inheritance? Gone. Faded right away. Not this one. I'm telling you, according to the passage, this, this uh, uh, wonderful destiny of ours, this heaven of ours, this inheritance of ours is eternal. It fades not away. He's giving us a reservation in heaven, even says. Now, I don't know about you, but I've made a number of reservations in my life, traveling or going wherever I might be and get a hotel reservation. I still remember a number, a few, a number of years ago now, arriving at a hotel, and as I pulled in, it looked like they were, had construction going on. Now, I had booked this hotel. I had all the, 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 you know, the numbers necessary. I, I mean, everything. I mean, you know, confirmation numbers and dates and everything, names of people, the whole deal. I arrived there, came to the desk. And I said, I'm here, uh, Mark O'Donnell, I, 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 I have a confirmation for a room. She looks at the confirmation, she looks through all of her stuff. She says, sorry, we don't see a room for you. I said, right here's the confirmation, right here, I, I have it. She went, you know, we've had a lot of construction and ouch. I said, but there's no more rooms. Do you know anywhere I can go to get a room? She finally sent me to another hotel, got the manager, the couple of them, they worked hard. They found a friend. I know a friend. I know somebody. And they called another hotel and got me booked in. And I got this wonderful suite. I, I, I paid the same amount, but I got put on the fourth floor. I had a nice suite. And it really worked out good because I got extremely sick that week when I was at a conference. And so I got to really relax at least. And it was bad. It wasn't too relaxing. But anyway, uh, the fact was, is that it was beautiful though. It was beautiful. It worked out, but hold on. That reservation wasn't worth a hoot. That one is. You can count on that one. I mean, if there's a Jesus that says, I'm going to rise in three days and he resurrects, let me tell you, if he says he's got an inheritance for you that fadeth not, I guarantee it's still going to be there. And it's a wonderful thing. We got heaven to look forward to. We got ruling and reigning with Christ to look forward to, according to Revelation 1 5. We've got so many blessings and so much hope and so, such a great and grand future ahead. Why? All because of the resurrection. If there was no resurrection power, the Lord Jesus Christ couldn't guarantee you nothing. And yet, boy, I'll tell you what, your, your destiny is determined by that resurrection. We don't have to fear eternity any longer. We don't have to fear death any longer. We have hope. God's given us an inheritance that is secure, safe, and guaranteed. See, what we learn is that no resurrection, no deity. That Jesus Christ was a mere phony. I don't even like to say it, but that's what he would be. He'd be a fake. He'd be an imposter if he didn't raise from the dead. But he did. No resurrection, no deliverance. If Jesus didn't raise from the dead, all those promises that he gave in John chapter 14, I go to prepare a place for you. If I go to prepare a place for you, I'll come again to receive you unto myself, that where I am there you may be. Never happening. 
No resurrection. No deliverance. Salvation. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Doesn't work. Who cares? I could tell you you'll be saved. Just call on the name of Mark O'Donnell and thou shalt be saved. Uh, How's that going to work for you? Jesus Christ went to a grave, but he resurrected the third day. See, no resurrection, no deity, no resurrection, no deliverance. And by the way, no resurrection, no destiny. You might as well go in the grave and guess what you'll see? Close your eyes real hard. That's what you'll see. Nothing. And by the way, that's what the world believes today. And that's why the world does whatever they can to somehow have satisfaction and joy because they don't realize there's an eternity. They may have heard about one. They may even believe there's a God in heaven. But in their minds, to some degree, they're being sold a bill of goods that basically say Jesus Christ was a forgery, a fake, a big zero. And the truth is today is that people are dying and believing many times that they're just going to end up in a grave anyway. You might as well have all the fun you can get and have all the gusto you can get because you only got one round in life. You might as well enjoy it and do all you can now. But I'm going to tell you something. Can I, can I remind you real quick? Can I remind you real fast that Jesus Christ went into a grave? That Jesus Christ went into a grave? That Jesus Christ went into a grave and three days and three nights later, he resurrected. He's not dead anymore. He's alive today and he's seated at the right hand of the Father making intercession on behalf of you and me. And I'm going to tell you, if you'll put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, my friend, you're going to find you've got a tremendous deliverance ahead of you. Your salvation, your sins will be forgotten. They'll be buried in the depths of the see they'll be as far as the east is from the west you'll be saved 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 and then you'll have a destiny to look forward to an eternal destiny promised by none other than jesus the resurrected savior amen may god help us to realize that this resurrection is a little bit bigger than maybe even we thought it it has such implications And may God help us to make decisions based on those implications that will affect our destiny, our deliverance, and honor his deity. Father, we come to you. We thank you again.